this series was independently funded, so you could gain insight into how the media operates. Journalists rarely report on their own practices. If you're interested in hearing more from others under the spotlight, you can help by making a one-off contribution. Just click on the link in the show notes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A full-scale search in the Ayers Rock area today failed to find any trace of a nine-week-old baby girl believed to have been taken by a dingo or wild dog last night. She is Azaria Chamberlain, the daughter of a Seventh-day Adventist minister from Mount Isa. News of the shocking disappearance of a baby from a campsite in the Central Australian desert echoed across the country in August 1980. Parents Michael and Lindy Chamberlain suddenly found themselves in the spotlight. In the years that followed, they drew packs of media and crowds of onlookers everywhere they went. Just as they didn't anticipate Azaria was in danger, they never imagined losing their anonymity. Lindy became the most publicly judged woman in Australian history, instantly recognisable to millions in the 40 years since her precious baby's death. Right from the beginning, people kept coming to me and saying, this is never going to go away, there's, there's too many things that are too interesting, this is going to be a film one day, this is going to be a book, well, you know, prophetic words it has and it is, and it's multitude times over for all of them because it just grabbed the public imagination and there were so many stories. Lindy Chamberlain Creighton is an accidental celebrity, an ordinary Australian who faced an extraordinary event that was devastatingly traumatic and highly newsworthy. She unexpectedly rose to prominence, an unknown plucked from obscurity by a shrewd industry that feeds our fascination with adversity and the strength of the human spirit. I'm Fiona Reynolds, a journalist and former media executive who spent 30 years turning trauma into news, then survivors into celebrities. The ski instructor who fell asleep next to his wife and woke up to a deadly torrent of water. The miner who clocked on for a night shift underground and didn't emerge from the dark for two weeks. They led everyday lives until overwhelmed emotionally, physically, and then by the media and public attention, compounding a sense of powerlessness. Now we turn the spotlight around. Each episode recounts the experiences of a media target, wrestling for control. Together we delve into the tricks of a competitive trade, 
the relentless pursuits, the betrayals of truth and trust. Far more media savvy today, these trauma survivors speak frankly about why they participated in coverage and the price of fame. How do you handle being recognised by strangers at work, at the pub, down the street? This is the inside story on what it's like to become an accidental celebrity. Episode 1, The Dingo Baby. When Lindy Chamberlain Creighton stepped off a train, walked slowly towards me and said a warm hello, I was struck by how ordinary she is. This was the first time we met, almost a decade ago, and I think I was expecting the middle-aged woman with short hair and glasses to carry some obvious air of fame, not a handbag. Her public profile has been higher and more enduring than perhaps all of the film and television, music and sports stars I interviewed as a journalist. Certainly no one has attracted greater controversy. Can you talk to us for a moment, please? Would you like to say anything about having to return here? Lindy seemed oblivious, though, to the not-so-subtle stares and second glances she drew from passers-by at the train station. One woman even approached me to state somewhat excitedly, that's Lindy Chamberlain. It's a name that has been ingrained in our national psyche and made international news through blanket media coverage of her baby's disappearance and the family's 32-year campaign to have a court finally declare a dingo was responsible for Azaria's death. An Australian coroner ruled that a dingo did in fact kidnap and kill baby Azaria Chamberlain back in 1980. Lindy's appearance has naturally changed over the years but we could all follow the subtle alterations simply by looking at the television, newspapers, magazines and online. I rarely go anywhere without being recognised and often when I think I've not recognised, you'll be in a store or something and you think, oh, nobody knows being here and you may make a purchase and go to leave and they say, thank you, Lindy. So you get a range of people rushing up to you and throwing themselves at you and hugging you and talking to you to people hiding behind shelves and peeping through them and anything in between. But then the thing I really dislike about all this is if I've done a magazine interview and I have to go to hairdressers or a doctor's office and they're sitting there and I keep thinking, can I hide that under snake? I hate that. Not being able to be just, you know, the person next door. Having that taken off you is a nuisance, to say the least. Open about what she thinks and feels, friendly and relaxed, laughing and crying. This is the Lindy I got to know, far from the cold, hard woman journalists long portrayed. We talked for hours. She has a lot to say about her media encounters. The privacy invasions, need for protection and the personal impact of a high profile. There's not a hint of self-pity though, as she discusses her life-changing experiences. I've never been a victim. You're only a victim if you choose to be one and I don't choose to be one. I'm a survivor and what's more, I'm a conqueror because either you conquer what's happening to you or it conquers you. 
Hearing how Lindy and others in this series were pursued and portrayed forced me to confront how I competed for stories like theirs, creating Australian household names and familiar faces because, quite honestly, they're good for business. Most trauma survivors don't seek fame and they find it short-lived. They're replaced in the headlines after their 15 minutes has expired, often when another heart-wrenching tale of bad fortune comes along. A small number like Lindy see the reporting shift to their private lives. Her divorce from Michael, marriage to American businessman Rick Creighton, and even her fashion sense. After each morning's parade, the questions like the pictures were the same. How was Lindy looking? At that point, an ordinary person is transformed into an accidental celebrity. Their visibility came not because of a professional position, achievement or, dare I say, a stint on reality television, but suddenly and by chance following a major news event. I think there's a difference being thrust into the public life and being a celebrity. Both are celebrities, but the causes are different because some people set out to be a celebrity and others are because of what's happened to them, whether that's something good or something bad. Accidental celebrity wasn't a career choice for Alice Lynn Chamberlain Creighton, nor did she anticipate that through the intense media glare, her identity and experiences would be commercialised. It's a burden Michael Chamberlain also carried until his death in 2017 due to complications from leukaemia. The family's fame and, for a while, infamy grew from the public's fixation with a tragedy that made instant front-page headlines around Australia. Dingo takes baby. Dingoes snatch nine-week baby. Baby girl snatched by dingo. Dingo snatches baby girl. It was about 8pm on the 17th of August 1980 when Lindy heard a cry and saw a dingo leaving their tent. She raced in realising Azaria was gone as she scrambled through the baby's blankets. The Chamberlains only arrived at the Uluru campsite with their daughter and sons Aidan and Regan the night before. The family drove their yellow Tirana to the Northern Territory, over 1,500 kilometres from their home at Mount Isa, an outback mining town in Queensland. The happy holiday turned into a frantic search involving police, rangers Aboriginal trackers and tourists. That became a news event, to which Michael and Lindy reluctantly contributed. The iconic attraction and sacred site, then known as Ayers Rock, is a massive sandstone monolith in Australia's arid red centre. It's remote country, but the circumstances were so unusual that when word of Azaria's disappearance broke out through open communication on a two-way radio channel, Reporters scrambled to gather first-hand accounts from afar. Although the Chamberlains could barely grasp the enormity of their loss, police recommended answering the calls and convinced them they had a moral duty to speak publicly about the dingo attack. And this is a tactic I see over and over again used when I'm looking at the news. It's important to let the public know this is dangerous and we'd like to help you to do this because you don't want to see this happen to anybody else. Can we help you get the warning out? And that is your soft button every time when you're in trauma. Of course I want to help. 
you'll say anything free to help get that news out. Trouble is, you don't know that you're just being used as a free tool for business. Michael Chamberlain even agreed to capture and supply images of the site. Seeing we weren't allowed to search, it was really difficult because you wanted to do something and yet you weren't being allowed to do it. And when the police told us to cooperate with the media and they wanted photographs, well, Michael being a photographer, that was something that he could actually do. So they had arranged for him to go and pick up film from the local Ayers Rock store because it had to be black and white. And so that's what we did and then went and took shots of the various locations because that was one way of helping to get the news out that this was dangerous. Forty years ago, there were, of course, no mobile telephones, digital cameras or internet services to record and transmit in an instant images that reassure audiences what is being reported is real. Showing the face of trauma helps us comprehend the human impact of a disaster, violent crime or accident. We may imagine ourselves in the same situation or even feel better about our own lot in life. For the survivors, media outlets offer the chance to deliver a public testimonial to a loved one while sharing their experience. So the Chamberlains also released a photograph of Azaria as a newborn, along with some of their holiday snaps. When a television crew arrived, Lindy stood in front of the camera with Regan perched on her hip, fought back tears and uttered these now immortalised words. There wasn't time to go and tell people, I just yelled out, has anyone got a torch? Dingo's got my baby. In attempting to raise the alarm about the predatory behaviour of the native Australian animal, the Chamberlains didn't anticipate how their own actions would be reported and judged by strangers. Every move, word and expression was to become the subject of commentary. Their willingness to assist media was viewed as eagerness to be on the news, while their apparent composure aroused suspicion. Lindy says no one took into account that Michael had some previous involvement with reporters, hosted his own radio program for six years and had written a regular newspaper column. It was a media person that started off the initial rumours that we were weird because we talked to the media and were so relaxed. And normal people don't do this. We were used to giving media interviews for the church and things like that, albeit on local, very small scales. It wasn't a scary sort of thing. We'd never been on television before, but it was no different from sitting down with a reporter from the local paper saying, "Okay, this is what happened, or writing it up yourself to say this is what happened. And there was no big feeding frenzy. There was no one else there, so we were just having a conversation with one single guy telling him how it happened. And even in that, people didn't realise I was crying all the way through. Two days after Azaria was taken, Seventh-day Adventist pastor Michael was reported in the now-defunct Adelaide paper The News as having, quote, accepted the baby's death as the will of God. As that article appeared, the grieving family left Uluru. 
Lindy recalls police urged them to give up the search for Azaria's body and go home. They were led to believe media interest would have dissipated by the time they reached Mount Isa. Instead, it intensified. The Chamberlain's faith was little understood, and while they were driving back, doubts were being raised about whether a dingo was the killer. Some so-called experts said the Australian animal was inherently timid in nature. Brisbane-based newspaper The Courier-Mail wrote, Everyone agrees. It's just not like the dingo. News crews turned up on the family's doorstep within half an hour of their arrival. Others called constantly. There was absolutely no control at all. When we got home, we had to use our phone. And six or eight calls out of every ten were the media. And then it got to the case where 30 of them would be. And you'd just be saying, will you please get off the line? I'm expecting calls in. Please respect our privacy. And I was really glad when mum and dad arrived and my brother arrived to take over the phone to give me that one distance. But um, my voice has never been the same since. I actually damaged my voice, you know, because you're absolutely craving news and you want to hear from your family and you want to hear from your friends. Michael still had a church to run and we still had congregation calling in on, on normal business. So you couldn't not answer the phone and there was no such thing as ID then. These days, you know, you can look at it and go, that's media, ignore the call. But you couldn't then. When Azaria's bloodstained jumpsuit was discovered by a tourist near the base of the rock, six days after her disappearance... Lindy learnt about it on the news and was drawn back in front of a camera. She says while she was reticent and uncomfortable, a crew from the old QTQ9 Today Tonight show persuaded her to describe how dingoes could remove clothes, addressing rumours that the condition of the jumpsuit was inconsistent with a dingo attack. They use their feet like hands and pull back the skin as they go and they'll just peel it like an orange. And if you'll notice on... The public backlash was immediate. How could a grieving mother be so cold? Years later, Lindy's lawyers got hold of the full recording. They saw her repeatedly choke back tears. The journalist would then stop the interview, stressing that she would need to control herself to get her message out. What went to air was take seven. You could tell I'd been crying, but if you don't know me, I suppose you may not have noticed my eyes were red and a bit swollen. It made me look hard, and a lot of people were horrified that I could talk academically about the tragedy of my daughter's death, but to me, more like she's asleep until Christ wakes her up, whereas they imagined her feeling everything that happened to her after she was dead. And I've always said to people, why should I put myself through that trauma? And the agony when she couldn't feel anything had nothing to do with her alive and clean and beautiful. The nation became transfixed by a woman the Sun newspaper crudely called the Dingo Baby Mother. The Sydney publication no longer exists, but the label annoys Lindy to this day. Instead of saying Azaria's mother or the baby girl or anything to do with her, it helped in the public's mind to take this into the realm of fairy tale like nothing is true. It 
suited the angle the media wanted and so that you lost sight. This is the tragedy of a child's death. Two weeks after that headline appeared in early February 1981, the first inquest broke new ground for the country's media, reinforcing the Chamberlain's accidental celebrity status. Cameras and microphones were allowed inside the court, an unprecedented move which on its own made the Australian newspaper's front page. In a macabre carnival atmosphere of live nationwide radio and television broadcasts, Coroner Dennis Barrett will pronounce his findings in the death of baby Azaria Chamberlain this morning. More than two million people are expected to tune in for the verdict. Did a dingo kill Azaria? For the sake of accuracy, Coroner Barrett enabled Australians to play the role of witness as he concluded that a dingo or wild dog had taken the baby, whose remains were never found. To Yui News. Mr Barrett finally exonerated the couple who have been subject to some of the most vicious gossip he said this country has ever seen. Michael, why do you think people were so quick not to accept that a dingo in fact took the baby? Because it's perhaps a first for Australia. The Chamberlains thought they could begin the process of healing and return to a normal life. They moved from outback Mount Isa to Avondale College in the New South Wales Hunter Valley so Michael could undertake a master's degree and Lindy further her Bachelor of Secondary Education studies. Their legal battle was far from over though. The Northern Territory Government publicly announced the reopening of the investigation as Operation Ochre. Police simultaneously raided the Chamberlain's home and those of the Crown eyewitnesses. From then on, news crews staked out the college grounds. The only thing I was ever grateful for was that when it came to five o'clock, they'd had it as well as me and they gave up camping outside the house and, and left and then I could let the kids go out and play for a while and things like that. And I was glad that a lot of them were more stupid than me, so they only watched the front door and I could come and go in the back door. <laughs> Lindy reveals she resorted to wearing disguises in order to move across the street undetected. Stakeouts are a common media practice aimed at capturing newsworthy people when they venture into public space. It's a wait-and-see game, driven by the expectation of a picture, interview, and because news crews are paid by their bosses to get the story. Talent, as they're referred to within the media, can usually only avoid the hounding hordes and rogue reporters if they can't be found. Soon there was a dramatic new angle to cover, as the Northern Territory Supreme Court quashed Coroner Barrett's finding and ordered a new inquest. In February 1982, Coroner Jerry Galvin committed Lindy to stand trial for murder. The death of Azaria Chantel Lauren Chamberlain would become the most celebrated case in Australian legal history. The so-called Dingo Baby case, described in many newspapers over the weekend as Australia's trial of the century, begins in Darwin later this morning. So much of what's happened and been said in private and in a never more attentive media over the last 25 months must be cast aside to enable a jury of 12 to make up its mind on the evidence presented to them. 
Lindy was accused of a horrific crime, cutting her baby's throat with a pair of nail scissors in the front seat of their car. Everyone had an opinion on the guilt or innocence of Michael and Lindy Chamberlain. Well, Lindy Chamberlain, is she really guilty or not? I am positive she isn't guilty. I think that she's a cold-blooded, calculating murderess. Did media coverage, blurring the line between innuendo and fact, play a part in her standing trial? Quite probably. To say something without proof and get away with it, the media will often rely on one word. Alleged. An alleged can ruin somebody's life. And the sad thing is that the alleged bit lets the newspaper off. But the person's life is affected, and if you're the average Joe off the street, you can't take on the deep pockets of these media gods who just turn around and say, well, it wasn't me, it was the cops. She also felt powerless to stop court reporters emphasising the most sensational legal arguments and ignoring others. Like car wash with blood, to give a specific example... Uh, In actual fact, the most we're talking about was a teaspoonful in the hole of the car. And if you said to other people they found a teaspoonful of blood in there, they'd go, that's not even a nosebleed. But car washed with blood, you think of pints. And so the use of emotive words in court or news cases, I think, is wrong because it gives the public and the masses that just read the headlines as they walk past and don't look any deeper, the wrong impression. In actual fact, it turned out to be just milkshake and sound deadener. And those that don't go any deeper, don't continue to read the news, but just extrapolate from headlines that say all sorts of things to make the public react and buy papers is just morally wrong. There were tears and cheers around Australia when Lindy was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. The next day, Michael received an 18-month suspended sentence as an accessory after the fact. The media room has erupted as journalists rush for the phone to tell the world of this decision. Lindy gave birth to a second daughter, Kalia, soon after being convicted, and the baby was taken from her. They were reunited two days later when Lindy was released on bail. Her legal team appealed to the federal court, unsuccessfully, and after five months home with the family, she was sent back to prison without baby Kalia. Another bail application and appeal to the High Court failed, before the prosecution's case was thrown into doubt by the chance discovery at Uluru of Azaria's matinee jacket. Lindy always maintained her baby was wearing the knitted garment over the jumpsuit. She was freed after nearly three years behind bars. Lindy Chamberlain has been released from Darwin Jail and she won't be going back. A Royal Commission cleared the Chamberlains and their convictions were quashed. 
but a third inquest left the cause of Azaria's death open. Lindy and Michael chose to fight on, unrelenting in their quest for the truth to be acknowledged. The case finally came full circle in June 2012, when a fourth Northern Territory coroner, Elizabeth Morris, delivered her finding in front of live television cameras. Was it shortly after Mrs Chamberlain placed Azaria in the tent, a dingo or dingoes entered the tent, took Azaria and carried and dragged her from the immediate area. Please accept my sincere sympathy on the death of your special and loved daughter and sister, Azaria. I'm so sorry for your loss. The horrible miscarriage of justice that elevated Lindy to the most talked about person in the country has spurred countless academic research papers. The media's treatment of the Chamberlains, with coverage swinging for and against them, has also been poured over. She doesn't personally hold journalists responsible for her wrongful conviction, instead blaming the Northern Territory government and police. It's almost hard to draw the line, though, when listening to how Lindy was caught in a storm of media reporting and public opinion, as one influences the other, something she's rarely been asked about. It was in days of wire photographs, no digital around in those days, so they could send a wire photograph and send it back, send it through, send it back, and every time the shadows get darker and darker until you get a really sinister-looking person coming out. And during the second inquest, those sorts of things were done to me and I've seen pictures of me that I didn't recognise at all except that it said it was me at the bottom. This was all before I'd been held over for trial and people had made up their mind on whether I was guilty or innocent just because of how I looked. Since then, because of our case, the law has been brought in that anyone not yet charged, called in for questioning or under age, must have a blockout put over their face so that people can't see them in the street somewhere and jump to a conclusion because they never followed up to see what happened. And this way it doesn't follow them for the rest of their life. It was when watching news reports at the end of a day in court that Lindy realised the disconnect between the woman family and friends knew and how the media portrayed her. Although she concedes she wasn't allowed to reveal her sense of humour. Lawyers advised that any smile or playfulness could be interpreted the wrong way by the court and public. I mean, even in court, funny things have happened. Everybody else is allowed to laugh. But, I mean, our our lawyers said, look, we know you, Lindy. When these funny things happen, I don't care who else laughs. You are not allowed to because this is about your daughter and you cannot laugh. doesn't matter what happens. During her appearances, she showed neither anger, grief or distress as she came and went from the courthouse each day. Your face goes stiff. You've got people there calling good on you. You've got others booing you. It didn't matter what you did. Somebody thought it was wrong. 
Lindy's seemingly unemotional response wasn't what people necessarily expected or wanted to see. But none of us can really know how we'd react in her situation. And when she showed vulnerability and distress, the pictures weren't always used by the media. And then you get complaints like the hard-faced bitch never cried. And of course, after I got out of prison and the Royal Commission was coming, suddenly they dug into their archives and showed all the pictures of Lindy crying way back when and everything else. And people were like, oh, we don't remember those pictures for back then. She wasn't nearly as hard as we thought she was. She actually did get upset. Frontline journalists, those behind the camera lens, and the editors and other media executives calling the shots back in the newsroom are the ones who choose the images, quotes and details to be included, when and where the story will appear and how much space or time is allocated. In other words, they have the power to decide not only whether an event is newsworthy, but how the story will be told. Facts can be manipulated or taken out of context simply by selecting what to include and what to leave out anywhere along the production line from news gathering to editing. Lindy Chamberlain Creighton is convinced that some media outlets predetermined the angle of their coverage and were reluctant to shift from it no matter what. I've been told a number of times by reporters that they've said, look, I've taken that out, but then the editor has put it back in. So the reporter's been stuck a number of times when the editor wanted a certain thing and said, well, you know, it's not strong enough, it's not emotive enough, it's not emotional enough, so let's give them some words to say and put them literally in quotes from the person. And quite frankly, in my opinion, that's lying. The truth is stories are presented to attract audiences and news organisations trade on being trusted sources of information. So when they get it wrong, they don't like to admit it. Any retraction or correction is never given the same prominence as the original story, and by then the damage has usually been done. Whether intentionally or otherwise, the process of making the news influences how events and people are portrayed and publicly viewed. Lindy has learnt that many newspaper readers skim the headlines so they can easily be fooled by a handful of pithy, attention-grabbing words. You'd get these big headlines and then you'd read the article and at the bottom it says, when approached, the Chamberlain's refused to comment. But they've got a front-page thing and the fact that they've approached you and you've said no comment, that's an interview. And so that gives them permission to say, you've spoken to them. So when sometimes if you say, no comment, they make that look more like you've got something to hide than if you do talk to them. So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's the smile or not to smile either way. And it was right at the beginning when Murdoch was starting to turn his newspaper into big business that was a product to sell as opposed to telling the news. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f***? 
are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The media minutes and words created around the Chamberlain case are impossible to measure. To say this was an Australian news event seriously underestimates the reach and impact. What we do know is that by the time Lindy was released from Darwin Prison in 1986, her personal life had become a national obsession. You're coming home and this is the beginning, not the end. Who didn't want to learn how she was feeling and what she'd do next? As trauma survivors, the Chamberlains found themselves under siege by reporters. As accidental celebrities, they realised the intense interest would continue and they'd need to put some control around the chaos. Agreeing to an exclusive media interview gave them the opportunity to openly protest their innocence one-on-one, talking to a single journalist without the stress of an all-in press conference. Did you kill Azaria? No way. I love that little girl. The appearance on the Nine Network's 60 Minutes program was part of a financial deal that included a whopping 13-page spread in the March 1986 edition of the Australian Women's Weekly magazine, with the front cover heralding a world exclusive. Extraordinary interview, Lindy Chamberlain speaking freely for the first time. Strong, talkative, passionate. What the public doesn't know of her nightmare years. The Chamberlains hadn't been paid for their story before, and that didn't deter other outlets from seeking free interviews and public statements. As Lindy and Michael were about to face a 14-month-long royal commission, their lawyer Stuart Tipple indicated he didn't have the time to continue handling endless requests from reporters. It was at that point one sympathetic journalist suggested hiring a media go-between. Enter celebrity agent Harry M. Miller. Lindy gets her business manager. That headline in the Northern Territory News, using only her first name, indicated just how famous she was after almost six years in the spotlight. The story focused not on the need to protect Lindy and Michael's privacy and character, but their commercial interests. Potentially at stake are literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in royalties that could accrue from the offers that have come in from organisations wanting the movie, television, video and book rights to the Chamberlain's historic case. For Miller, the signing was a, quote, unexpected twist in his entertainment industry career, while the Chamberlains are credited with being the first accidental celebrities in Australia to hire an agent and command a fee for interviews. Lindy remembers with a broad smile the sense of relief when Miller signalled to media outlets that an ongoing pursuit was futile. Harry Miller was just like having a human Alsatian that kept him at bay and he loved that description and thought it was great. I think he had it framed in the end. And then Harry said to us, look, you guys have got bills to pay, you've got them running all over you. As sad as this may sound, the only hope you've got of controlling the media is doing what they so love to call checkbook journalism. And people go, oh, how can you make money off your story? But that's not what it's about. 
it's about making the media behave. Was it more about the money, though, or the control she had over how the story was told by checking the information? The latter. Now, some people might go, oh, it's the money. And if you've got huge bills to pay, like we did, we got paid for the first interview, put it straight into our legal phase, and then discovered later we had to pay almost 50% tax on it, which was rude. But we had legal bills to pay, and that was just on the side. But more importantly, even if you do a contract for 50 cents, you can list the guidelines and we learnt over the time how to put it and how to put fail-safes in to make people behave and things like that. You know, I've, I've literally done interviews for tiny amounts like that. Nobody usually goes quite that low because they don't think it's worth paying their lawyer for that low, but we've ended up changing our contracts around. We don't sign standard contracts and they finally agreed. They said, you you are so unique a case, and they had put so many wrong things around that I understand one or two other people have had this privilege since. But I was the first person in Australia that was ever allowed to look at stuff before it went to air or to newspaper or whatever. Lindy had come to the conclusion that she could not trust a story would be accurate and balanced, even if the journalist treated her fairly in the past. As a general rule, reporters and editors won't give talent the opportunity to check copy and potentially strike out words and phrases that they believe are incorrect. But allowing sought-after survivors to preview stories is a price they'll often pay for exclusive access, putting them ahead of the media pack in the grab for audiences and advertisers. If you're intending to do the facts, you don't care about saying Linda can check it over for facts. And I think I'm well enough known now that they know if I want to say I'm a fat little cross-eyed lady that didn't appeal to them, I mightn't like it, but I won't change that because they're allowed a personal opinion. But if they write the facts wrong, then I will change because that affects me. And I have been offered sometimes heaps more money, and I'm not taking it because I know that particular journalist is not honest. Individuals who are in demand, like Lindy was and is, don't need an agent to negotiate a contract. They just need to recognise their story has a commercial value lay down some ground rules for participation and accept the risks. Engaging in checkbook journalism invites sniping in the form of spoiler stories from rival media companies that may have been willing to pay for the exclusive but missed out. Then academics raise ethical questions. Will someone with a story they could sell stretch the truth to make it more valuable to potential buyers? The survivors I interviewed say their story didn't change because they were paid. From my experience, people don't need money to reshape their accounts to create a good impression of themselves. Recollections of events can also be unintentionally inaccurate, particularly when people are traumatised. Most objections to checkbook journalism centre on the long-standing practice restricting the free flow of information, not just to media but audiences. 
publicly funded broadcasters, the ABC and SBS, may cover expenses but won't use taxpayer funds to pay incentives to talent, so the playing field isn't even. To the ordinary person who is thrust unexpectedly into the public eye by all media, whether the wealthiest win and others have to follow is a largely irrelevant consideration when trying to protect their own interests. We've been told many times, oh, you're selling your dead daughter, making money off your daughter's death. Therefore, you're doing it for publicity. Well, it's damned if you do and damned if you don't. It never covers the grief and everything you go through to get to that spot, or the nerves and the hassle and everything else that you go through. It never covers it. Lindy Chamberlain Creighton estimates she's participated in more than 50 paid exclusives. Harrier Miller continued to personally act for her until he retired in 2009, nine years before his death. She's still represented by the group now known as HMMG. Michael Chamberlain parted company with Miller around the time of the couple's divorce in 1991. Lindy reveals she and the three children then survived by sharing her parents' pension until the Northern Territory Government awarded the couple $1.3 million in compensation for wrongful conviction and imprisonment the following year. While Lindy's portion cleared many of her debts, she says she still had no income. Paul Everingham, who was the ex-Northern Territory Chief Minister from the 80s, when he was asked whether we should be paid compensation for wrongful conviction and imprisonment, objected and said we shouldn't because we'd been given an opportunity to make a lot of money. Well, excuse me, you didn't ask me if I wanted to give media interviews money or not. That was your choice, not mine, and it has nothing to do with blaming an innocent person with something they haven't done. Lindy argues the real ethical issue arises when publishers and broadcasters do not offer money, instead expecting survivors to open their private lives to public scrutiny for free. They're making a huge amount of money out of these people by increasing circulation, viewing, ratings, sales, whatever. And they pay their reporters to get it, they pay their editors to edit it, their printers to print it, and all down the line, everybody makes money. Everybody's paid for their part. And yet there's a big fuss being made about checkbook. Journalism, that's one thing that to me really stinks because it's always the disgruntled one that makes the big thing of it and tries to make the individual being interviewed look dirty because they've accepted money as opposed to it's something that is always a standard practice to pay for an interview. She believes in an ideal world, media bosses would factor in a fee for accounts of events of significant community interest and consequence, accepting that it's a standard cost of doing business, much like paying freelancers. While Lindy recognises that a fixed rate may be difficult to enforce, she thinks trauma survivors should not have to ask for money in exchange for their story. 
It's all very well saying there's a public fund for victims of crime or whatever it is. But even with that, there's a specific amount for trauma and you may or may not fit the guidelines given. So you've still got payments going out. You might have to pay a lawyer or a media consultant or it might be medical bills and there's always the chance you might have to pay for a secretary or a bodyguard. All unforeseen expenses that are due to what's happened to you. And it wasn't your fault, but these are things that have been created by the situation you're in. And the media is now using it as part of their product to sell. Did you at any time feel to the media you're a commodity? Look, I don't mind taking money because... They've made so much more out of me than I ever could. <laughs> They've probably made more out of me in a day than I've made altogether. And they've taken away my right to a livelihood by making me so well known that I can't get a job and I've had to do something. You know, I've done the same thing to Rick. He can't either. People say you're in the media and you're rich. Um, Rick was offered a job for $10 an hour when it should have been a minimum of 60 an hour because he was consulting and they said, oh, well, you're rich, you don't need the money, you're only doing a bit of work to keep yourself occupied. Well, we all wish. You've still got a family to look after, so it's a double-edged sword And that when we were broke and couldn't get a job, being asked to do paying interviews kept us in food and helped us pay some of our legal expenses and all sorts of things. Lindy Chamberlain Creighton has been caught in what I'd call the celebrity cycle. By agreeing to participate in media stories and other content, she remains in the spotlight. The more recognisable someone becomes, the more journalists view their personal lives as newsworthy, maintaining their high profile, as long as you keep lapping the stories up, of course. Survivors like Lindy often unwittingly help transform themselves into accidental celebrities, an experience that adds to the sick feeling she gets when she hears of another dingo attack. I got now so I can look at something the first time I see it in the news and say, oh, the media's going to go for them. You know when it's going to make a headline and no one should be that knowledgeable about the media without working in it. What would you say to someone facing a situation of trauma when it comes to dealing with the media? I'd say don't say anything. Ask your family and friends not to say anything until you're ready to sit down and think about it or even write out a statement. Just keep it like, thank you for your concern, but the family needs space at the moment. Then sit back, try and contact someone, anyone that's gone through something like this before to see what they've got to say and if they can give you any tips on how to handle it and Quite frankly, anybody that has gone through something with the media like I have, if you're contacted, you help because you know what hell it is. 
Just as Lindy has seen competition for access to trauma survivors intensify over the years, in effect commercialising their experiences through the news, she's also witnessed a shift towards entertainment. News is entertainment these days. The project, the panel, the you know morning show, it's got comedy in it, it's got reality. You go from sob to laughing and back again, it's all mixed up. Because a news program is now as much entertainment as any other. In fact, some of them are far more entertaining than the sitcoms they put on. So the weight has shifted more towards entertainment over the years? Yeah, I think it has. But in in saying all this, I need to make a disclaimer here that I have found all the way through. If the public doesn't like a brand new sitcom, they don't watch it and it disappears and one they do like comes on. And with the news... If you don't like the way it's being put over, you don't watch it and you get what you do want. And so with the more going into the details of the dead bodies and the car bombs and the blow-up and the repetition of ghoulish things, the public eats it up, the public demands it, so they are as responsible for the change as the media because the media is putting over what the public is demanding of them. And if their news is boring or uninteresting, you flick the channel to the next guys. And so I say to people, you cannot put all the burden for what you are seeing onto the media because you're watching it. So what you're getting and the decline in news value and in the increase in entertainment value is what you're demanding and they're supplying. So it's a two-way street. When ordinary people are represented as celebrities, they're at times portrayed as fictional characters in a television drama. Lindy has become a factual figure in numerous dramatisations of her case, from an opera to a play, an Australian television docudrama, two television miniseries, a Hollywood film, podcast series and books. Each recount of events helps shape her public image, Although Lindy hasn't always been consulted about the portrayals, before or after trying to set the record straight by writing her autobiography, Through My Eyes, in 1990. Overseas I'm famous because of the phrase, the dingo's got my baby. It's gone into the history of our country and the pop culture of most countries around the world. So. You're all the way in Australia. Hey, I think I hear a dingo eating your baby. Yeah, well, uh, ooh. I have lost my fiance, the poor baby. <laughs> Maybe the dingo ate your baby. Of course, it's world news all the time. It's regularly covered in the US. It's regularly covered in Africa. It's covered in India. It's covered in Europe. And you think, why? And, you know, I still sit back sometimes and think, how can that possibly be me? You know, that's the lady off the media. A bit unreal. Like a different life. Yeah, it's the other life. And so you tend to go out and you do speaking appointments and lectures and conferences or you might do a media thing and then you go home and you're just 
mum or wife or renovator or whatever it happens to be again. Lindy says over the years she's found when people meet her for the first time, their judgment is challenged as they realise she isn't humorless and hard-hearted, but funny and sensitive. Among them, Hollywood actress Meryl Streep, who played Lindy in the 1988 film Evil Angels, based on John Bryson's book. She'd watched all my interviews, she'd watched news footage, they'd given her a heap, everything they could lay hands on, and then she had to meet me. And then after about half an hour, she's like, Oh, damn! I've got to go right back to the drawing board. I had you right off pat and you're nothing, absolutely nothing like what I thought. And she said, I've got just this tiny little window and you're this whole huge plate glass open picture and so damn complicated it's not fair. She's like, you can go from laughing to crying in a split second flat all this whole area that the public has never seen yet lindy is so familiar to australians that many strangers believe they know her or want to get to know her i've got some friends because of what's happened to me people that have come up and i've always wanted to meet you i've seen you in the media and i've met them we've clicked i've Stayed friends. A few have just wanted to know me because they want to be near somebody famous and say, my friend. Mm. So one or two have had to come to an end because the behaviour was not appropriate. Lindy Chamberlain-Creighton knows only too well the impact celebrity can have on children who were raised in the spotlight without seeking attention or understanding how to deal with it. Regan out, Woodley doesn't care so much because all the way through people haven't recognised him the same way. He's like, I'm easily forgettable, they don't pick me as the Chamberlain, whereas Aidan, his looks haven't changed since he was tiny. He was so angry, his opinion was, you've made so much money off us. It's time you actually gave a bit back. So he's got a whole different perspective there. And the media attention's been very negative as far as he's concerned. And he's got a real hard job talking about it. And he's even said, I'd really like to be known as something other than being one of the rock people. And that's sad when a child has to live with that identity. Carlia, on the other hand, she'll sort of say, well, I don't know what life's like not being like this. This happened before I was born and I've always been in the middle of it. And so what do you call a normal life? This is normal. But they then become Lindy's children, not themselves. And Carlia in particular is the one who probably voices the opinion most that I'm Carlia, I'm not Lindy's daughter, I'm me. And she used to get very upset with that, which is one reason why she often doesn't say she's Carlia Chamberlain. She just says, my name's Carlia Chanel, and drops the Nakari Chamberlain right off her name. 
And so she has had some quite nasty dingo jokes as well as funny ones told right in front of her by people not even having a clue that they're talking to the sister of the baby involved. Can you tell me why you hyphenated your surname? Well, with all the media attention that we've had over the years and with the media continually saying to us, look, we've always known you as Lindy Chamberlain. Um, Forgive me, but I've forgotten what your surname actually is. Can you tell me again? And the public saying the same thing. It's very obvious that that's the way they think of me and my children have that name. So I decided to hyphenate my name so that I'm the link between them and Rick and so that people won't feel bad when they call me Mrs Chamberlain and forget the other half. When I'm with Rick, I'm simply Mrs Creighton and hopefully they don't call him Mr Chamberlain, which they often do slip. He even gets called Michael at times. But I get Mrs Chamberlain and her partner And things like that looks like you're out for a dirty weekend, which is a bit of a grin to us, but at other times it's regularly, oh, you're Lindy Chamberlain's husband. So I'm still Lindy Chamberlain, regardless of whoever else I am. She has accepted that after 40 years, she will remain a household name. If there were a hierarchy of Australia's accidental celebrities, Lindy would without doubt be on top. The image of a smiling young mother holding the hands of her tiny baby as they stood on the base of Uluru has become etched in the public's consciousness. Even if she rejects every interview request and speaking invitation, someone, somewhere, will not just recognise her but feel they know her. Accounts of Lindy Chamberlain Creighton's life after the tragic death of her precious Azaria at just nine weeks and four days old will continue to be told. We've been well warned by the media that the story's too good to leave alone. You're here now. You're part of Australia's history like Ned Kelly. You're part of its pop culture. In hundreds of years to come, it will still come up. Next time, The Iceman. James Scott was a 22-year-old Australian medical student wearing a straw hat and sand shoes when winter snow covered his hiking trail in the Himalayas. Lost without food, he clung to thoughts of his family and faith in God to survive 43 days alone in the freezing mountains of Nepal. James defied all expectations of what a human could endure, only to face media speculation about whether he'd staged a hoax. It was really sad that for a while there, I thought that I wished that I hadn't been found. I wish I'd just died up in the mountain, that I didn't have to come back and face all these problems. It's terrible that someone can get to the point where they wish I were dead as a result of what's being reported in the media. That was 1992. 
Today, James Scott is a respected psychiatrist with powerful insights into what it's like to become an accidental celebrity. The Accidental Celebrity Series is researched, written and produced by me, Fiona Reynolds. Sound design, Term 6 Podcast Productions. Graphics, Cheeky Turtle Productions. Editorial and production support, Sally Eels, Paula Donovan, Sue Bell and Graham Maddy. The term Accidental Celebrity was coined by leading Australian academics Graham Turner, Francis Bonner and David Marshall. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.